0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. This is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home,
1: community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project, and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman.
0: Bob Glazer is the CEO of Acceleration Partners, a global performance marketing agency and founder and chairman of Brand Cycle. He's also an alum of the University of Pennsylvania. Under Bob's leadership, Acceleration Partners has become a recognized global leader in the affiliate marketing industry, which he talks about in this episode, if you don't know what that is, receiving numerous industry and company culture awards, which is why he's on the show, including Glassdoor's Employees' Choice Awards, AdAge's Best Place to Work, Entrepreneur's Top Company Culture, Inc. Magazine's Best Place to Work, Great Place to Work, Fortune's Best Small and Medium Workplaces, and Boston Globe's Top Workplaces. Bob was also ranked number two in Glassdoor's list of top CEOs of small and medium-sized companies in the United States. He's the past recipient of the Boston Business Journal 40 Under 40 Award and is author of an international bestseller, performance partnerships great book check it out he also publishes a weekly newsletter friday forward featuring all sorts of great ideas for building capacity and his next book elevate push beyond your limits and unlock success in yourself and others is going to be released later this year in this episode We talk about the creative methods that Bob and Acceleration partners have used to attract, retain, and deeply engage employees while honoring their lives beyond work. For example, instead of giving small bonuses to everyone, a few employees are periodically granted the resources to make a dream come true. Other employees, those who aren't selected, uh, they are greatly appreciative in, in seeing their colleagues get these grants because it's just one more indication that they are working in an, or- in an organization that, that really cares about its people. Bob's done away with the typical annual performance review. And he focuses on outcomes instead of on busy work, giving people lots of flexibility and freedom in how they get things done. We talk about how focusing on a few core values and setting clear and consistent goals helps to drive employee retention, a healthy organization, and customer satisfaction. AP's success testifies to the power of Bob's progressive approach to elevating people to perform At their best in all parts of their lives. My life's work has been helping students and clients find creative ways of integrating work and the rest of life. Back in 2004, Fast Company featured this work in a cover story called Balance is Bunk. Bob is that unusual CEO who truly gets the importance of valuing employees as whole human beings who have lives, needs, wishes, and constraints outside of work. And that the scales in balance is just the wrong metaphor for work in the rest of life. His is an inspiring and hopeful point of view, and it leads to great results. I hope you like this podcast, the Work and Life podcast. And if you do, I would so much appreciate it if you would rate it and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen so others are more likely to find it and enjoy it as well. All right. Now, get set to listen to and learn from a CEO who's repeatedly and rightfully been honored for his leadership practices. It's Bob Glazer. Bob Glazer, welcome to Work in Life. Thanks, Stu. Excited to be here. It's great to have you here. So you are a thoughtful and really outspoken advocate for considering and uh, managing the the relationship between work and the rest of life and avoiding easy solutions or simplistic solutions. As a marketing guy, though, and maybe I don't have this right, so you'll correct the picture for yeah. us. Uh, what initially propelled you to consider this topic and to become, you know, one of the progressive thinkers in this arena? Why, why is it so important to you, and how did you get smart about it?
1: Uh, but pro- <clears throat> probably by accident. Well, there there are a couple of things. First of all, what we do affiliate marketing. I should probably explain it. Yes. just To give some context for those
0: who don't know, what is affiliate marketing? So
1: affiliate marketing is a very uh, win win form of marketing. Mm-hmm. In a lot of market di- time, it's a form of digital marketing. In most marketing, someone's making a bet. You're buying an ad, you're buying a banner, and then either it's going to be really good for you or really good for the person selling advertising. Rarely is it mm-hmm. in the middle. Some, someone wins and someone loses. Mm. In affiliate marketing, it sort of digitizes business development and, and people who want to promote that brand can can get a link, can track whatever it is they're doing, and then they're only paid on the performance of that. So let's say oh. that people I say, that's great. Now can you give me an example? Uh, so let's say Acme. That's great. Can you give me an example? Acme Company, it doesn't mean anything to anyone. Acme Company sells televisions. It's an electronic store. They might have all kinds of partners out there. Some are deal sites and coupon sites. Some are electronic bloggers. Others are comparison shopping engines. They can all promote the inventory that's on Acme's site. They each have their own tracking, it goes through, and they only get paid for people that buy stuff. So it really Mm. is, uh, you have to work with your partners, very much like business development, but it all happens digitally and it's tracked Mm. in in real time. So, you know, there's a win-win aspect to that that I've always liked, and I think we tried to, you know, build that into our culture as we grew the company as well.
0: Well, uh, Can you elaborate on that? Uh, What you mean by building the idea of win-win into the into the culture of the company because uh, one of the big ideas in my course and in my books and, and workshops uh, just launched the MBA uh, course on total leadership today, like an hour ago. I finished up the class, and yeah. I'm teaching them about this idea of four-way wins, which is all about taking conscious and deliberate action to have a positive impact directly or indirectly on all the different parts of your life, work, home, community, and self, you're talking about win-win from a business point of view, but you say that that has somehow infused your thinking about building the culture at Acceleration.
1: Yeah, well, when the business got to about a million dollars in revenue, we were at this inflection point. Mm -hmm. And I said, I really like what I do. I like how I do it. There's a lot of opportunity here. If we're going to – I really wasn't sure if I wanted to build the business. I didn't want to deal with HR and all the traditional things and things that made business Mm kind of unfun and not wanted to go to. So – When I decided we were going to do that, I just decided we were going to do it in a different way, and I was going to build the company that I wanted to build and that I wanted to go to work to every day. So I I think one of the funniest things, and and, you you read a bunch of those awards, was when we won the Forbes Small Giant Award, and it was in the thing, it said – About a great place to work, even though they don't even have a place to work. So, we're (laughs) you know, is it all virtual? Yeah, we're all distributed. Um, we we have a a little bit of a different take on that. We've actually focused on cities, even though people work from home, and there's some reasons around the culture that we wanted to build. I think it's actually hard to have people absolutely anywhere, so we've focused on on hubs, we can we can dive into that. But but anything that was a, hey, here's how it's done, was, was fundamentally not that interesting to me. We are also in a business whereby we're measured in performance. The programs that we do are all measured. It's very easy to know if we're doing mm-hmm. good work for our clients and success. So that sort of rolled down into the culture, which is, hey, we're gonna be able to, our, our, it's been very clear to know whether our clients are happy or not and whether we're performing. So we should, build a culture around that and it should be about performance and people should you know be happy and and we talk I talk a lot about healthy and high performance because I think a lot of healthy times healthy
0: and high performance yes
1: yeah, I think a lot of times those are mutually exclusive I think there's some high well, performance cultures
0: think that they're <laughs> mutually exclusive but they don't have to be they because, don't have to be but so say more about how you pursue that because this is an example of win win right good good for the employee his or her health Families, uh, you know, nurturing, uh, right. or being able to to nourish and nurture one's family and perform at a high level. What does that look like? And and I you know I get that as yeah. a as a win-win for for you for your people. How do you make that
1: happen? So we make that happen with I think there I always say it's either three or five. There's three fundamentals of a good culture and two two modifiers. And I think that's how it, you know the first is you have to have a clear vision about where you're going, a mm-hmm. point of view. Hey, here's what we want to do. Yep. You have to have real values. And and I, I used to really not believe in core values. And I just because I saw them everywhere I would go into these companies, no one behaved that way, and I was really cynical about them until we. Picked ones that we believed in and operationalized them.
0: They work, right? If they're real, they work. If they're real, I'd if say they're, they're real. not
1: real ninety percent of the time. Ninety percent <laughs> for the companies. That, is,
0: that is a cynical view, but I, I can't disagree <laughs> with you.
1: Yeah, the, the less companies talk about them or put them on the wall to, right. to the outside world, I, I think the more real they are. The I more see credible. them. As an internal thing, yes. like the DNA of your people, not a marketing slogan. Mm-hmm. And then the third is you have to have goals and targets. And I think that's that becomes a key part of the performance, which is you and, and then I say the two modifiers are clarity and consistency, consistency. So you have clear vision, clear values, mm-hmm. clear goals, consistent, you know, consistent vision, consistent value, consistent goal. The goals part's important. Everyone needs to know what the score is, what the game is. So that's a lot of what we've done. We've made really clear Here's where we're going. Here's the goals. We communicate it. Everyone knows where they stand, how they stand, and then how they choose to get there. You know, we we let them do that. That's mm-hmm. where we give them the flexibility. If they meet, people always say to me, my friends think I'm crazy. They're like, so you got these hundred plus employees all working. How do you know anyone's doing anything? <laughs> and I always and you can
0: tell by what they're producing.
1: Yeah, I say we have we have you know weekly metrics. We have goals. We have red lights. We have green lights. And if some, and we have two core metrics, we measure employee satisfaction and we measure client satisfaction, and then we have the empirical performance of the programs. So if somehow, and that is they're they're growing, they're hitting the targets, you know, whatever the clients um, laid out. mm -hmm. So if someone happens to keep all of their clients happy, hit the growth targets for the program, and somehow they're working an hour a day. God bless him, it's the right hour. Why do I wanna, you know, whatever you incentivize, you get. So if you incentivize time, you get time. You don't Mm -hmm. necessarily get good outputs. One of our sort of operating principles is actually we don't reward hard, uh, we don't reward working hard, we reward working smart.
0: And you do that by focusing on results.
1: On results and outcomes. We have really high standards. I tell everyone, just because we're a great culture and we win all these awards, it's tough to work here. It's fast-paced, we have high standards. But everyone knows the knows the score. Everyone knows the game. Everyone should know where they hmm. stand, and and then within that, they have a lot of flexibility how they want to deliver that.
0: Well, this is a, uh, a compelling example of you know the very kinds of principles that we've been trying to advocate for and you know see only rarely. Um, how did you come up with this model? Because what you're doing is exactly right focus on results, give people the freedom and the support that they need to pursue those results, but let them uh, pursue it in ways that they know to be smart, Right, and then uh, reward and reinforce for the things that matter to you and to them and to your clients.
1: Yeah, and within those values, we only have three core values. One of the best things we did was cut from six to three a couple years ago so that everyone needs to know them, internalize them, they are used. They are part of our awards. They are part of our vocabulary, kind of, you know, every day. So that was. You can probably anticipate my next question, Bob. What are they? What are they? The first one is own it. The second one is embrace relationships, and those two concepts form uh, the concept of interdependence, which is uh-huh. a big part of a culture that has high standards, but a lot of people that aren't next to each other every day. Right. And and then the third one is excel and improve.
0: All right. So. Let's break those down, shall yeah. we? What does Own It mean?
1: Own It means you are accountable for outcomes and actions. And, and this was a change. We used to have it as accountability three to four years ago, and we decided that what we realized was there were a lot of people who wanted to be accountable. But they wanted to be accountable for whatever inputs that they put in. Hey, I did this. I did that. Uh, but I couldn't control that and that and that. And when we had did our sort of three-year plan update, we were like, Couple of people are like they're they're just missing something. We we're like, own it is you just I got it I own it I you know there's ambiguity there's things I can't no salesperson knows how they're gonna hit all their numbers they just say I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the number and that I will tell you when someone doesn't work out that is the number one value that we can point to which when, is when
0: they're not a good fit when they are not a
1: good fit they don't
0: own it they make excuses for not being able to achieve what they set out to achieve or is it something else
1: Yeah you know. <laughs> I think I would caution a lot of CEOs and leaders. When you're interviewing people and you tell them about your core values, there's a big difference between them liking your core values and thinking they sound good and, and, and really living and representing those. You found a gap there? Yes. A friend of mine is- That a, sounds
0: great. Sign <laughs> me up, some people might say, but then they don't really want to live according to they don't. owning and, their responsibilities.
1: And I have a great example of this. So we we have, We write after-action reports. When something goes wrong- um you write up a report on why it went wrong. We say failure's fine, but repeating failure, not okay. We document it, we share it, we learn from it. So people have to write kind of after action reports mm-hmm. when there's a certain amount of mistake, hire doesn't work out, whatever. They post them to our peers. I see. So the
0: AAR, the after action review, yeah. as they call it in the military, that's something that you do only when something messes up?
1: Yeah. When 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 there's Some variance a from
0: expected you know
1: positive outcome. Client leaves Money was wasted. Employee doesn't work out. Uh, there's a bunch of thresholds where we were surprised about something. Okay. And the point is, identify it, notify everyone what we need to fix, share the learning from it. When I read these, and it, and it covers a couple of core values. One, you have to own it and write the report. Two, you have to share it okay. with people, uh, and your peers, which is some vulnerability. And three, you have to talk about mm. what we could do better. But when I read someone's first AAR, yeah. there are sometimes – something totally external happened the company ran out of money mm-hmm. couldn't have controlled it but their report will be about here's the signs i should have seen here's what we could have learned here's you know, something whatever and 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 i'll read it and be like this is this is going to be a good ap person then i'll read some other ones where ap acceleration acceleration partners, partners. yes some I'll they're read- going
0: to fit because this is a person demonstrating that they have responsibility to produce the result that is necessary. Yeah. And they took it on themselves. Even if there's stuff happening outside of their control, they can at least understand what they did. Correct.
1: And that would be, it'll be three pages, right? Even then, again, the company ran out of money. But here are all the things that we could improve, and here's Uh how we could detect this. On the flip side, there's probably some ones I'll read that are one page where we were probably more at fault or more culpable, and it will sort of talk about all external forces that we couldn't have anticipated.
0: So these values, Bob, uh, own it, embrace relationships, excel and improve. I love the simplicity of those.
1: No, no index card that you need to pull out no, and, 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 and
0: memorize them. And you clearly know them. Uh, you know th- there are executives in the world that I have spoken to when I say, "Okay, you've got these values. Tell me about them," and they'll like pull out their cheat sheet, and yeah. you can tell it's not genuine. Uh, so you've got that built into the into the after-action reports. I get what own it means. Now, how does all this, embrace relationships, excel and improve, take responsibility, own it, how does that feed uh, an employee's life and career?
1: Yeah, well, em, embrace relationships is is twofold. So if we go into that. One, we think they would probably have a better life and career if they take ownership of things rather than mm-hmm. you know blame external forces. Embrace relationships is one we really... Take to heart both with our peers how we act with each other and with our clients. You know we mm-hmm. want people to invest in relationships. I mean, one of the things, the rules that we have is when you get on the phone with a client, you don't jump into business. You ask them mm-hmm. how the weekend was, how things are going. By the way, you can learn a lot from that. Like something terrible happened over the weekend. Now you're going to know why they're in a really bad mm-hmm. mood for the call. So we we want people to have strong relationships, and there's a lot of data and science around people are healthier, they live longer. You know, we think that's a that's an important part of um, sort of your your health and your spiritual health um, mm-hmm. you know, not, and to not be transactional with everyone you're working with. So when new employees start, um, I actually, within their first or second week, I do the core value onboarding. I jump in with a group of four or five of them on a video call and we go through it all. And then I, I ask them as, after how that sort of, how's the experience differed so far and otherwise? Mm-hmm. The, the most common thing I hear from people is they can't believe how helpful people are to them. People calling up, seeing if they were all set, did they need anything, and that more that they were at companies. Someone said to me once that when I was at my last company, if I knew something, I didn't tell anyone. That was a competitive advantage. Right, And th- this led to another Friday forward on, on this sort of notion on Blue on Blue, that which is the military-friendly fire which mm-hmm. is if you if you have people in your company that think the competition is is within you, you have very little chance of being successful.
0: Yeah, and that's just such a sad aspect of of reality for so many people that they're in environments where the competition is internal. Yeah, when it should be whoever your <laughs> real competition is that you're right. trying to beat out for business. Uh, so embrace relationships. Does that extend? Uh, you know, I'm just thinking about how that value and living it, being trained in it, being reinforced for uh, embracing the idea of embracing relationships, how have you seen that play out in people's lives like in the community and in their families?
1: Well, yeah, I think a couple things. One, we've, in the business context, we've encouraged them to really, um, again, Talk to clients, be less transactional. I think that changes all their approach. We also at our retreat this year, because we always tie things to our core value. We did a session on what are the relationships that need improvement, you know, in your life, and and people listed them. They sent them to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about them openly. I put up some of the common themes, hmm. and then people committed to write letters for the four or five relationships that they were going to work on over the next five uh, year. And and ma- we mail. We're going to mail it to everyone. A year from that date. And, and again, that doesn't have anything to do with how we, you know, our business from a day to day basis. But I think if people are struggling with relationships in their life, if they're holding them so back. So this might be with your
0: parents, with your yeah, spouse, this with was your not, kids. This was not. This was
1: not. Non work. Okay. It was a whole session we did around it. So you're
0: saying if people are struggling with those relationships, then.
1: It affects their performance as a human being, which affects their performance at, at work. And and we believe that a lot of this capacity build, building on a holistic basis that if we can improve these aspects of of people's lives, we get the best version of it in, in work, and they get the benefit for themselves and their families.
0: Well, of course, I mean it just makes so <laughs> much sense, right? Why isn't everybody doing this, Bob? Uh, what's what's been your experience? So you talk to your friends who your, um, yeah. your CEO buddies who are telling you you can't trust those people, you gotta monitor them more, more closely, or what do you give a shit about what they do outside of work, or whatever it is? Well one,
1: it's just more fun for me. I, I, <laughs> I, mean, I don't wanna be, a, I don't know whether I can swear or not, but I, I don't think it's fun being a bleep type boss, and, uh-huh. and, and really relishing in that authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. I, I, command and control leadership I think is dead, I don't think a lot of leaders realize it's dead, but the military's not even using it anymore. It's been a long time <laughs> since they've seen so, that but, but there that are up. still people who really believe that, that that is the way to lead. And and I think what they're missing is some of that clarity I talked about before. You know, they don't know how to hold people accountable because they're not clear about what they mm-hmm. want or where the company's going. So they get frustrated and then they they exert authority you know, one of the things, we have a software program that actually tracks all these goals. You can go in and see my four objectives for the quarter, the 16 weekly metrics, red light, green light, yellow light every week. It's very rare that we even have to hold someone accountable because it's all out there it's all public
0: so are you saying everybody can see everybody's uh <laughs> goals and metrics for yeah. pursuing them and how they're doing
1: against those goals yes even mine and and what i've listed every week as my task we're opening this up we've been training on it for a quarter we're opening this up to the whole company over the next quarter um so it's we're open book anyway but this really gets down to kind of commitments and stuff like that like can you give me an example uh in terms of uh um, y- you're
0: goals and, and who sees them and and how you get feedback from other people or what, what that transparency does in terms of uh, motivating your performance.
1: Yeah, so, so it's accountability and alignment are the two things. So we have some three-year objectives. We have some one-year objectives. They're in this software tool. And then we have quarterly objectives, which we call rocks that have different things. They're actually all aligned. So if I take a quarterly rock and then I give out pieces of that to someone else, they're able to see that that thing that they are working on is tied to a one-year goal, is tied to a three-year goal, kind of comes up through me. So it lets everyone see how what they're working on, even one or two, three levels down, supports what we're trying to achieve at a higher level. And they also see whether I did what I said I was going to do, um, even on on a weekly basis. So we don't let people wait till the end of the quarter. You have kind of, you put in weekly thresholds of here's what success looks like this week towards this goal or metric for the quarter i'm
0: really curious to know how what happens when you mess up like you know there's a string of reds yeah uh, or red lights and uh you know you're missing it um what happens then
1: it depends on if you own it i i, I think that we all we only want to be about 80 percent right in these things i think you if you're too rigid then you'll get everyone getting all you know getting everything done but you probably haven't shot high enough. So we shoot mm. for 80-20 because otherwise you got people teaching for the test rather than someone calls and they have one, you know, a million dollar RFP overnight. Clearly you don't say, well, I committed to work on, you know, f- cleaning up the formatting in the Excel document this quarter. And so <laughs> and so I'm not going to do the mm-hmm. proposal for the new client. But I think in the short term, we look for people who can adjust, find out what they got it wrong, be accountable. Mm-hmm. In the long run, I think in anything, if you're running red quarter after quarter, you're you, something's right. not Working mm-hmm. um, might not be the right role, might something, but but it's it's hard to ignore that fact.
0: Vision, clear vision, that's where it begins. Yeah. What's your process for clarifying what matters most for your business and beyond?
1: Probably clarifying for myself. <laughs> that's been a lot of a lot of it. I mean, uh-huh. I you should be able to draw a pretty straight dotted line from, I think, a founder's core values to the company's core values. So I think for me, a lot of that was getting clarity on on what I wanted, how I wanted to do it. And then I was able to draw a clear picture that says, here's where we want to be in in three years. And we did um, one of those vivid vision exercises three years ago and wrote up a whole five-page document, pictures, everything. This is what the company's going to look like at the end of... Uh, 2019 Mm -hmm. and here's what our revenue is going to look like employees what we're going to do all this stuff incredibly aspirational and we're on track shockingly to me still to hit almost all of that
0: so um how did you like what was what was the essential task for you as a founder to to make those choices about what that vision was going to look like What, what was the hard part of that for you
1: the hard part was figuring out what we're not going to do. I think for mm-hmm. any for any founder and 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 to it's hard to be aspirational and then when you're talking about, you know, sometimes when you say oh sales is going to be up 100% this year and it, then it's up 80%. You don't want people to feel like that's a loss. And so I I've mm-hmm. struggled with this consistently in terms of we set pretty lofty goals and we've met right. them, but how how do we not Make people disappointed if we can't quadruple in four years or whatever we set out to do. So, how do you a, do, well, <laughs> go
0: ahead, finish your thought, and then I want to hear what you've learned it, about uh, that that particular tension.
1: It's 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 so that it, that is a balance um, in terms of really trying to what 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 I was recommending. What we did was we said kind of what we were going to do. We didn't say how we were going to do it, and then we put that that back to the team in terms of helping to really make a lot of that stuff come true and 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 put the operational detail behind it
0: so there's a number of creative uh you know initiatives that that you've started or grafted into your culture from things that you've learned and picked up along the way because you're clearly a student of what it means to to create a company that that thrives what's making employees dreams come true
1: what what is that all about Yeah, so this is, again, something when I first brought it back, the team was like, this won't work. Um, I I had heard about the program I did um, called Entrepreneurial Master's Program. It's a well-known program with an EO and an MIT. It's a three-year program with 100 high-growth CEOs around the world. Um, There's a guy named John Ratliff, and he's sort of legend in this, and he had talked about this. He owned call centers, and he started this program where people could submit dreams into this Dreambox, box and they would sort of grant them um one a couple of months maybe not on a predictable mm-hmm. thing and just people could ask for anything a lot of them weren't weren't monetary and they you know this was a call center business that had 40 50 turnover john mm-hmm. started doing this turnover dropped to 10 percent. they started buying other other call centers and having the same effect and so I was like, "This sounds really interesting. I would love to do this." Took, took took it back, and people said, "You know, well, those that sort of, that was sort of uh, a bridge you
0: know, too far, perhaps, Bob.
1: Yeah, now you've gone off the rails. going <laughs> uh-huh. in these things. But a little like, oh, well, those are people who you know might be in a you know lower income, don't make a lot of money. Uh-huh. We're more of you know white class workforce. That that won't work." I said, "Nah, I think everyone." has things that, that they wanna do. So we tried it out, I tr- tried it out last year. Um, we were having, our, it was our 10th anniversary, as part of that, our retreat, we actually did a session on goal setting. Mm-hmm. So I asked everyone to submit into this thing to me what their five biggest goals for life were. And then we did a whole work session on it. We all, uh, earlier in the day, we committed to, um, people created goals, published them in a Slack channel for the mm-hmm. year, shared them publicly. But also put up some of the themes. Of what it, what did people want most in life? And then they could see where it overlapped with other people. What they didn't know was when we were having our, our company award ceremony and our last dinner that night, is I had picked about seven or eight of them and started mm. working on them and sort of presented them as a as a surprise that night. And they wow. they ranged. Uh, yes, whole, give whole, us whole give bunch us a of little stuff. details, such as. Um, one person wanted to teach a class uh, at a business school. And so I called someone, mm-hmm. and everyone I asked to help me with these things was excited, really excited to help because they felt like they were doing something that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Another guy wanted to be a pilot one day. So we got him some uh, pilots. Uh, we got some pilot uh, lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, someone wanted to drive a race car. So we were able to organize that. A lot of them uh, weren't monetary, and I've heard this mm-hmm. from a lot of people. Um, someone wanted to be on the board of an organization, and in reading that, I f- realized it was because her child um, suffered from a disease that that organization supported, mm-hmm. and she'd been working with them. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to the president, and I said, I have this really talented person on my mm-hmm. team. I just learned this about them, uh, you know." And, and she offered to get them involved and on the board. Um, so it was really, that's um, cool. yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. I felt like Santa Claus. I, I tell them it was <laughs> the best thing. I, it was the most fun I had all year. Total surprise. To, what was so to much fun folks. about it, Bob? Uh, you know, watching the reactions um, mm-hmm. we did again this year, sort of took it a little bit to a different level because mm-hmm. they were tied to embrace relationships this year. And, and people were just really uh, emotional. Both, both the people that had um, received those, I, I was actually concerned and people asked me, well, what about the? people that you know weren't picked and and i actually got really nice notes from them too i i I think they felt happy just to be part of a company that would do that and because Mm they're relationship people i think they were rooting for their for their peers and they saw that those Mm -hmm. were really meaningful things to them um but can you give us an example of one of one of the recent uh dreams come true was uh from this year yeah So this year's was, um, there were two, and I try to be careful some of the uh, confidentiality around it, but um, one was someone had talked about that she had a 90-year-old grandmother in Greece. Her daughter had only met her once, and she kind of regretted that while she was healthy, they just didn't have the time to do that. And Mm -hmm. again, when they wrote these up, they didn't... This was more for a discussion point, not Mm -hmm. for that, but we... Um uh, someone on my team is very resourceful, my culture team. We, we we got in touch with her family, we got someone to go over to the to the house and record the grandmother. Uh, so we bought her and her daughter tickets to go visit the grandmother in Greece, but we got her to, we found some pictures on Facebook and then we got her to record this message that I'm so excited that you're coming, the uh-huh. grandmother, and we played it on the thing. And oh I, yeah, God. it was.
0: I'm tearing up just hearing
1: about it. <laughs> it was. Uh, That's amazing. It was, it was, it, was hard, it was. hard to even present it. So that it was a great, it was a great moment.
0: Oh, people must have gone nuts over that. Yeah, there was, so, there was a lot of crying. So, oh, <laughs> of course so, yeah, the, what is the
1: message that your people take from an event like that? you know the, the consistent theme that I've heard from people is that they just are are appreciative the company would care about what's important to them, um, and I think that makes them care more about what's important to the company, you know again, but that but it is that that we listen to them, that we heard what's important to them, and mm-hmm. that we were willing to spend. Both time and and energy on figuring out how to make that happen.
0: It, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say.
1: And a lot. What I tell a lot of other CEOs, I've had some of my friends. I wrote a guy a whole thing last night on how he can do this at his company. Yeah. he's So psyched about it, and he's getting ready to do it. Is that what's amazing is that the cost of these things are not very high. Most of them are within thousand to two thousand dollars. If you were to give someone a thousand dollar bonus, they would cash it, they would never think of it again. It would be They'd it would buy be groceries, whatever. Yeah, it'd be done. Yeah. Um but 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 I think the memory of that and also that they're they're doing something that they might not have done in terms of A dream. Yeah. And and the the woman who actually spoke to me about that was saying that, you know, she probably wouldn't have prioritized that, right, had she gotten a thousand dollar bonus. Oh. And and it made her really think about why you know what, what? What? Why not? And her the, priorities, yeah, her, her priorities around that. So it was, an, uh, and relationships that yeah? matter to her in her life. Because we say this stuff, but then we don't. You know, we don't do it. It's hard. When, when it, it's hard it, in the, 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 the hurly burly of everyday life.
0: So I mentioned at the top that your your next book project is um, elevate, and that relates to what we've just been talking about yeah. here. Uh, what's the basic premise
1: of Elevate, and
0: what do you hope to accomplish
1: with it? Well, it's interesting. Elevate started as a composition of a lot of the the Friday Fords, and then when I when I talk to people, they say, "Yeah, well, composition's fine, and publishers won't be that interested in it." I think there's a bigger story here, and so I thought a, a lot about. Uh, I went back sort of the drawing board, and I thought about what is it that Friday Forward, or what is it that we've done in the company, like what is the theme. And I came back with this notion of sort of capacity building and this holistic capacity, which is, first, how do you elevate yourself? And then how do you try to do the same in others? And that's really been our strategy, is to say, as a growth company, because I hear a lot of people say, when your company doubles, you break half your processes and half your, half your people. And and mm-hmm. our, our goal has been to grow our people in line with the growth of the company so that they can stay with us. And that's, so when I looked into all the themes, I came up with four of them and I said, this is what I've consistently seen in high performers and how I've, what I've used for myself and how we have actually used to grow other people. And that was really sp- spiritual capacity, uh, uh, intellectual, physical and emotional. And, and and if you think of them all as sort of like chambers of a ball, I, I, I think they have to be, you can get more mass the more they grow, but they kind of have to grow in tandem or one will make mm-hmm. the ball really wobble. And and when I hmm. really, most of the stories of Friday Ford align to one of those themes and a lot of the personal and professional growth stuff that we have done really falls within those themes. So I, I sort of wrapped all that together into how, how do you, how do you elevate your own life, and then use that as a leadership strategy?
0: So, can you give us an example of how, indeed, you have taken that idea personally in your own life, not just in your business life?
1: Yeah, I'm. So, you know, go, going down them um, for me four or five years ago, the real turn in my life, my business was. My definition of spiritual is not religious. It is figuring out sort of your north star and what you want most and really identifying your personal core values Mm -hmm. and I think you have you know this instruction manual for yourself that you didn't you know was left out of the factory uh when you were born you say oh this is why I do this and this is why Mm -hmm. I don't like doing this so I I got really clear on my personal core values and sort of what I want to do and what I wanted most that was that was sort of the beginning of it and then this, you know, voracious commitment to learning, which is part of intellectual capacity and reading and taking on new things and learning from feedback and and wanting to improve. Um, Worked on my physical health as well, taking on different, I take on a different challenge every year, uh, share it with a company, tell people at the beginning of the year I'm going to do You mean like
0: running a marathon or something like that?
1: Yeah, like a, I did a triathlon, not a Ironman. Last year, we hosted a we biked um, some people from our company from London to Paris in 24 hours, uh, which wow. was uh, an event we sponsored. Which was that was I've never done an endurance thing like that. So mm-hmm. part of that is again pushing your capacity, what you mm-hmm. believe um, you can do. And, uh, yeah, then the other two pieces, uh, you know, emotional is the relationships. So mm-hmm. how do you handle adversity? And, and your relationships are a big part of your – so that's something we're working on all the time. And um, I covered co- covered physical and, and intellectual.
0: So how do your uh, clients respond to – because I'm sure they find out, yeah, uh, and maybe some of them come to you because they they know about your your company's culture and what you say about it in your various outlets, including Friday forward um, how do they how does this help your business in terms of uh, growth of your your client base and your connections with uh, the market
1: I, I mean it helps it helps a lot and it helps in the same way getting the right people, right I think. It could maybe the wrong people are like, why why is this company spend time on this stuff? Like, why aren't they lowering the cost or working on efficiencies? But then there's other people that are really you know drawn to how we conduct our business. Look, we're 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 a services business and an agency. The thing that frustrates people the most about services business is account yes. is account turnover. So our mm-hmm. ability to keep great people around and have them around, they get promoted a lot. That creates some frustration. But we always say, hey, I can't. <laughs> Hold the person back, they're not leaving, right? But 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 they're getting a, a promotion, so that you know that's a big part of the business. And again, back to M-
0: maintaining re- the the continuity. The continuity.
1: Of relationships. Uh, so our ability to keep great people it is critical to a, a client service business.
0: So what's your rate of turnover compared to whoever else you're competing with in the industry?
1: It, it it's really low. But we look at turnover two ways. We look at sort of un- unwanted mm-hmm. uh, turnover and turnover. I I, I think there is. The right type of turnover. Of course, our unwanted turnover in the last two years is is less than five percent, hmm. probably even two or three. So,
0: because continuity and relationships with your clients is is uh, is a competitive uh, advantage that that's going to help you yeah. retain your clients. What what else about you know what you've been describing here in terms of how you run your company is something that appeals to your your clients and that you know might lead them to
1: come to you as opposed to your competitor. Well, I can give you an example. Again, there's transactional things. There's features of your business. But I had a a key client contact, you know, respond to a Friday forward uh, two weeks ago. Told me that they had found something on it. They they had read the book that I mentioned. It. They were implementing this morning routine. It already improved their life in the last two weeks. And then was asking me for a bunch of other book recommendations. I wrote back and said, Okay, well which tell me what topics you <laughs> you're mm-hmm. really interested in. They wrote back, I gave them three or four books, then I saw them. That's a back to our core value-based relationships. That is a very different relationship between a a client and an agency than you know just being on the phone talking about reports and, and otherwise. Right. Right. No,
0: you're now you're getting at uh their interest in excelling and improving yeah. and growing, and uh, and that's such a powerful way to connect with other people. If you can provide resources for them to help uh, help them pursue the things that they want to learn about, then that just strengthens the trust and opens up all kinds of new avenues for learning about what they really care about.
1: Yeah, and this is a person growing an increased uh, a team who hasn't grown a team this big before, and, oh. and, our, and our ability to work with them productively is, is, is highly hinged to their ability to oh, grow that team. So it's and in your interest for,
0: for him or her to get smarter about how yeah. they're running their, their show.
1: Yeah, we're, I mean, we're trying to scale with them and so that they can scale. That's not why I'm doing it, that's just no. a byproduct of, well, it's Well, that's a great what I'm byproduct. getting at. Yeah. The,
0: the, the intended and unintended consequences of, of uh, enacting these values in the way that you do in terms of your business relationships, your client base.
1: Yeah, the people, you know, you attract, the, you put out your signal and you attract the right thing. So the people who want to grow and learn are, the, are our best clients and the people that we love to interact with. Uh-huh. They don't care about that stuff. And again, they'll, they'll leave us for a $5 discount, you know, from, from another vendor. Then that's probably going to happen anyway. Uh, tell us how, how y- your commitment
0: to your business fits with your family life. How does, how does all this weave together in your
1: own world? Yeah, so when I, when I set goals at the beginning of the year, I know this won't surprise you because this this rubric is used else, elsewhere, but I, I actually use the same format. So it's personal, professional, uh, self, uh, community, and, and family. And and I, I really try to, to balance those out. And even this year, I tried to find connections between some of them, like what were the things that I could do personally that would make me better at business that then would free time for a family, so I, I actually sit down for about a week and and work on um, the plan for a year. So I, it it is important to me that 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 no no one thing you know eclipses is the other. But but I don't try to. It's not about the balance. Again, for me, I, I'm best in the service of myself. I'm best in the service of my family when I'm acting in those same core values and I'm doing the stuff that I'm good at. So part of that's. Giving myself permission to not do certain stuff uh, with like my family and otherwise. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I focus on, you know, again, with my kids and stuff, the things that I, I really love doing with them and the things that I, you know, not, 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 and they know the stuff that I don't like, <laughs> like want to do. Such
0: wanna... as, can you mention one briefly?
1: I, I don't have a great attention span, so I, you know, uh-huh. I, I need to be. I, when I'm doing an activity with them, whether we're skiing or something, it's great to be engaged, travel, do something like that. Uh-huh. I'm not, I'm not good at jumping in and out of um, something. So I'm not, you know, if I'm in the middle of something and they're home and they want to get my attention for two seconds, like I'm not great at jumping out of that. So I try uh-huh. to really carve out when I'm gonna, you know, focus and 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 have that time with them.
0: And so they're probably learning that about you too they They know when I'm not listening (laughs) (laughs) they tell me what do they say Bob you're not listening (laughs) All right. Um, one of the questions I've been asking guests this year last year I was asking about the issue of compassion and how you bring that to your working life this year the theme uh, is accountability because I'm hoping (laughs) that this is the year of accountability uh, in our world in our society Uh, owning it Uh, You might say, what you do a lot. But let me ask you, what's top of mind for what you do to hold yourself accountable for living and working in accord with your core values? What's the single most important thing you do to make that happen?
1: Uh, It's actually probably a couple. I, I have peer accountability in business groups that I'm in. Um, I put my goals out to the company and to everyone at the beginning of the year. I made them public last year, so I both my personal and professional goals, I had actually never done that before, but it led to a lot of other people Doing the same. So I, I try to be very. You mean other
0: people in your peer network or were you? You know, in business? our business,
1: we started a Slack channel called Excel and Improve because again, we always tie it to the core right, values. As you should. I put my core values across those four metrics in a spreadsheet. I mean, I'm sorry. I put my goals across them and uh-huh. I just shared them publicly with the whole company. And then there was like silence for <laughs> day. And then. So this was new. This was new. And then this was part of that goal setting thing we did. And then. Someone posted theirs a day later and said, "This is the scariest thing I've ever done," and and posted it. And then a day later, and then pretty soon they were just streaming, streaming in. Wow, and and how does that help to hold you accountable? It's out there. You you know, and then people are reporting in towards the end of the year. Here's where I am. Here's how I'm doing. Um, I do a recap too, usually at the end of the year, and say, "I, I think it's fine." You're not going to get everything done, but I think it's fine to say. Here's where where I failed. But but accountability happens a lot. Like I said, we use that software. We open book. When you just put everything out there, and so everyone knows the rules. Share the information. Yeah, they know the score. They know what quarter it is. And it doesn't always work out. And great example of, I always say, put it out there. You never know what happens. I mean, there's some universe stuff that goes on. I can't explain. But then there's Uh that other people. It's like when you buy a car, and you see that car everywhere. So someone in our goals... Never done it before. Put out that she really wanted to take a photography class. Went home, put her goals on the wall. Her husband saw this, and for Mother's Day, she got a camera and a photography class. So, <laughs> got to put it out there. <laughs> got to put it out there. That's... Even in your own house, it has, you know, it has a benefit.
0: Yeah, because people don't know. Even the people yeah. you live with, they don't know everything about what matters and what what you want to be held to account for. Um, Bob, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Where is the best place for listeners to find out more about what you're up to in your amazing company, Acceleration Partners, and uh, the, other, the other channels through which you are sharing your, your, isdo- your wisdom and insights?
1: Sure. The, the most uh, integrated way probably is at Robert Glazer, uh, G-L-A-Z-E-R dot com. Uh, and then that if you don't want to have to spell, you can Google Acceleration Partners or AccelerationPartners.com, again, or sign up for Friday Ford at FridayFWD.com.
0: Fantastic. Bob, thanks so much for joining us tonight. It's really been a pleasure. Thanks,
1: Stu. It's been great to be
0: here. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bob Glazer and that it provoked your thinking about how workplaces can be more humane and productive by being more respectful of employees as whole people, not just replaceable cogs. Like other progressive CEOs, check out our episodes with Jason Fried, CEO of Basecamp, or Neil Blumenthal of Warby Parker, for examples. Bob knows what he and his company are about. He's clear-eyed. About it, and he can then hire for cultural fit because of this clarity. He rewards performance using clear, consistent goals. The core values are genuinely held and widely understood and reinforced in every way. So here's a challenge an invitation for you no matter where you stand in your organization's hierarchy, step back and just think for a bit about your core values. What are they? About your vision for your own work. What is it? And about your specific goals. What are they? How does stepping back to slow down for a moment to clarify what really matters to you. How does that affect how you think about what you do every day? I would love to hear from you if you do this. You can get in touch with me directly by emailing friedman at or find me on LinkedIn. And if you want to learn more about improving performance in all parts of life by creating greater harmony among those parts – Visit totalleadership.org, where you can find free chapters from my books and lots of other free tools. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 132, Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, go to workandlifepodcast.com. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, visit totalleadership.org and check out my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, Have a Richer Life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate it on iTunes, and share it with your friends, your family, and your coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.